Large cappuccino, three sugars, please. Tell very much. It's not what you think. Probably my second favourite roundabout. 31, 32, that's a lovely speed for driving. Chelsea Bridge is closed, mate. Bloody cyclist got himself run over, didn't he? This episode is not suitable for kids. So if any of you children are listening in the back now, and by children, I mean anyone under the age of about 14, you're going to have to plug your ears into something on your iPads, or we're going to have to switch this off. I hate to say it, but this one isn't for little ears. All clear? Right, so, the Shard. A new entry on the London skyline. But really, just the most recent in a long line of high-rises. Skyscrapers. And I know the question that's been bothering you all along. So let's start there. Does it really scrape the sky? Does a skyscraper, any skyscraper, lunge its long reach upwards and scrape, 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 scrape against the sky? No, it doesn't. If anything, it just stands there and the sky scrapes it as it passes by. Which, if you think about it, would make it a sky scrapee. The shard is immobile. It's not scraping anything. It's being scraped by the sky. But of course that's not right either. Because, you know, the sky, the sky, the sky is just the sky. It's just there. It doesn't move. It's the clouds that pass by, not the sky. So to call the shard a skyscraper is not accurate. It's not accurate. It should be a cloud scraper. Or rather, a cloud scrapee. That would be the accurate description. The shard does, in fact, get scraped by clouds quite a lot. But the shard is not a cloud scrapee. It's a skyscraper. And if you want to know why, well, you've come to the right place. This is the streets of London with Ray Black. Let me take you by the hand. Let me put your palm in mine, guide you round these narrow streets and cobblestones and show you something to make you change your mind. Adverts. And now a word from our sponsors. This one is from Andre, who offers a relaxing massage for women. Oh, I see. Here we go. Take time to relax your mind and body with a relaxing full body massage in a private location with easy off street parking and no hidden cameras. I am medium built, athletic and very tanned. My strong hands guarantee your ultimate satisfaction. Range of oils available. Eddie, we're not going to get done for this, are we? Okay, let's start at the start. First skyscraper, where was it? You know where it was. And if you don't, maybe the first name given to skyscrapers will give you a clue. The original name given to skyscrapers was given as Rompilil. That's French, it means eye breaker or eye prober. That can't be right. You telling me the French for eyes is. Is oil, as in olive. Rump, loyal. Rump, loyal. Roh, fat mate. What? Lug. Lug. Rumpy low. Oh, that's doing my head in. Low. Low. Rumpy low. It's hard to translate exactly, and 
It's very difficult to say, but either way, it's not nice. Where was it? I'm talking, of course, about the Eiffel Tower in Paris. The tower was a notorious eyesore. People didn't like it. And in particular, Jules Verne didn't like it. He hated it, famously so. The renowned author of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Journey to the Centre of the Earth. Quick question, Eddie. Did Jules Verne have anything to do with Journey to Mysterious Island with Michael Caine? And The Rock, of course. Jules Verne and The Rock. That's a combination. Sorry, as I was saying, old man Verne used to sit directly beneath the Eiffel Tower and moan about its ugliness. And when asked why he would choose to be so close to something he hated so much, he would state loudly, It is the only place in Paris where I cannot see this fussy rompe. He really hated it. Of course, in the end, he was seen there so often he became associated with the place. And they now they have a restaurant named after him about halfway up it, which is about as irony as the tower itself. <laughs> It doesn't actually work, but you could probably work something out with that. Right, Eddie? Eddie, it is irony, and it houses irony. Not that, but there's something in there. You work on it. Well, anyway, JV referred to it as the eyebreaker. Oh, it's better. Because he felt that whatever happened, wherever he was, no matter how hard he tried to close his eyes, as soon as he eked open a lid, there it was, uninvitedly forcing itself into his vision. Oh, this crumpled this eyebreaker, piercing apart my eye slit. I don't like it at all. So clearly that's not a nice name, not good PR. And of course, as more and more of them were put up, something had to be done. And the solution came from America. And that's something us Brits, we, we, we don't like to admit, but it did. It came from America the old masters of marketing. What they did is they used an old technique, a well-established technique, of appropriating some undeserved heritage. Give it a little twist of the old country and you make it sound authentic and beyond reproach. So they did. They granted it the most authentic and honest heritage there is. They made it Scottish. Of course, they've done this before. Those shortbread tins from Baltimore, bung a bit of tartan and a thistle on the box, and boom, Scottish. People love it. People think, that's authentic. That's got tradition. That's been around. Just look at McDonald's. Ronald McDonald, uh, that guy's from Scotland. This fillet of fish is going to be tasty. That's a sequence that goes through their mind, and it works. Fillet of fish has been on the Mackey D's menu since 1962, when, by the way, it was introduced to keep Catholic folk eating up their burgers on Fridays. Now, they knew 
any word that begins SC or SK is Scottish. We all know that. It's well documented. I mean, I you want examples? Well, Scotland. Scot. Uh, Scotch. Uh, Sky. The Isle of Sky. Uh, those little knives they have in their socks. Uh, Scandu. Uh, scones. Smack. An iron brew. Iron brew. The Glasgow Trinity. All Scottish words. That's well known. So what they did is they took this authentic sounding S-C-S-K sk sound and voila. Eyebreaker becomes skyscraper. Eh? And immediately it sounds more authentic. It sounds more appealing. And that's how the word came about. Even though, of course, it's got nothing to do with scraping the sky. There are some people who still go by the old term rumpelow, aristocrats mainly, but truth be told, the expression has been superseded and the world has moved on. Thank God. Don't ever make me say that word again. Advert. Ladder for sale. This is an advert for a ladder. Ladder for sale. £65 collection in Banstead. Important, the ladder has a rubber foot that is cracked and one rung missing and a faulty latch but still very good and easy to use. Just needs a new rubber foot, exclamation mark. Please do not use without the foot. It will fall and could kill. Right, well, uh, there you go. If you've got a spare ladder foot, this one's for you, but I can only reiterate, don't use it without that foot, unless you want to die. So back to the shard tallest skyscraper in London and I think we can all agree as Londoners that is just not tall enough. It's just not tall enough. If you look at it you'll see it's got quite a fat base expecting it to go fucking miles into the sky but it doesn't go high enough. It tapers too early and as a result it looks well I don't think you can call it a shard. I think it looks more like a chunk. If you want a shard It has to be long and thin. It has to be like if somebody smashed a baseball bat into your windscreen. No, because that would just fragment. Let's say a shard of metal flung off an exploding crane. And it whistled past your face. And it stuck into a tree trunk nearby. You'd look at that and you'd say, Jesus Christ, that's a shard. That shard nearly took my face off. And that is a long, thin, sharp piece of metal. But it's not a fat-based lump that just points upwards. That's not a shard. Unfortunately, the reason it isn't tall enough is because of city airport's flight paths. When they saw the architect's plans, they said no. It'll interfere with flight patterns. And you can't argue with flight patterns. But before you go blaming the airport, bear in mind, once the architects knew they were only allowed to go that high, They could have just made it less fat at the bottom and then it still would have been a shard shape. So you can't go blaming the airport. Everyone knows what the flight plans are. I flew in once to City Airport and we did a shard flyby. And I looked out my window and we were really close. I mean, unnervingly close. I suddenly had a doubt, just one, that the pilot might be ready to take us down. Take the shard out with us on board but he didn't he just landed it at City Airport cabin crew prepare for landing thank you 
So anyway, there you go. The Shard. Skyscrapers. Now we've done a little bit of journalism, and for those of you who are wondering, it turns out the mysterious island was indeed written by Jules Verne. But it was originally conceived as a sequel of sorts to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Now, how they managed to turn it into a sequel to Journey to the Centre of the Earth, I don't know. But if anyone can, The Rock's your man. And Michael Caine, of course. I hope you found that informative. I hope it has put something new into your brain case. Something to mull over. A little bag of warming Christmas spices to simmer in the red wine of your head. In the meantime, thanks for popping in, and I'll pick you up same time next week. Right, Eddie? Diamond. Diamond. I've got the light off, mate. Not taking fares.